1: There's a lot of these unrestricted free agents that thought they could sign on July 1st. Well, it's now a week after July 1st. And it's often what happens is the second day, they don't get signed the first day. They get signed the second day. Well, they didn't get signed the second day. And like Jake Gartner, for instance, everybody thought, Oh, he gets six and a half million dollars. Well, he's still sitting there. I think what teams are thinking you now is we'll give you, we might give you the money, but we're not giving you the term. Teams just aren't given term, very few of them. And a prime example is Johansson, uh, Johansson who played in Boston and was very good in the playoffs last year, uh, was looking for $4.5 over about five years. He got $4.5 over two years in Buffalo. Signed it and said, thank you very much. And you're not finding enough players going to their agents and saying, you know what, I'll bet on myself. I'll sign a one-year contract for $2.5 or something like that. And then if I have a really good year the following year I'll have well get five million. They're still out there hoping. And that's what the owners are probably looking at is some of the unrestricteds like like Zingle, uh and Bressard who are there and they're probably gonna outweight them and see what, you know, if first of August if they haven't signed, then you wanna come here? If not, well we'll play it by air. Go to
0: camp and see what happens. Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast for Wednesday, July 10th, 2019. I'm your host, Craig Ellingson, and with me today is Hockey Hall of Fame writer, Jim Matheson. We're talking about the Edmonton Oilers and their quest for a top six forward. Whether that comes via trade, free agency, we'll see what happens, if anything. Also want to let you know about a special deal with the Edmonton Journal online. Sign up today for a free 30-day subscription. Go to edmontonjournal.com slash podcast. It's been a strange summer since we still have all these free agents on the board. Like a year ago, I think everybody, almost everybody was spoken for. There was only a handful that were, you know, notable names that hadn't signed somewhere. Um, but now there's all kinds of options out there for every team, including the orders. I mean, the common wisdom is the orders need to add a top six forward to play with Ryan Nugent Hopkins, if not on the top line, but the Nuge needs someone to play with. He needs a winger.
1: I don't well, think you can go into the season without one. Without one, you no. you can go through training camp and see what you've got. Sure, but
0: you're taking a chance by doing the PTO yeah, thing. You can, you can.
1: In in today's game, there aren't lines anyway; they're pairs. And so Dreisaitl and McDavid are a pair. And if it's Zach Cassian playing there for 20 games, and then Alex Chason plays there for another 20 games, and then somebody else plays, you know, then you go back to Cassian. You can, you're fine. But the, the second line, Nugent Hopkins, who is he playing with? Like you're penciling in Nygaard? people like Nygaard who hasn't played a minute in the NHL and said, oh, he's the second line left winger. Oh, really? Okay. Well, who's the second line right winger? And you, oh, it's Jason because he got twenty-two last year. Well, there's a lot of ifs there. They need one established top-six forward. Who, whether you go out and you sign him as a as a off the unrestricted free agent shelf, and give him two and a half million for one year, they need somebody for one year, because Nugent Hopkins cannot go through an entire season playing by himself, and and that's it behooves the orders. It's easier. To perhaps buck up for two and a half million than it is to trade dollars in dollars out, and say, oh, that's great. We'll trade C- Chris Russell's four million, and we'll get we'll get back some forward that a team doesn't want for four million who can play in the wing. It's easier just to, I think, for the orders to hold on, hold on, and see if they can find somebody
0: for two and a half million. See, I was going to try to s- structure our talk today about this. You know, talk about first the trading options. Do they trade a defenseman to try to get this forward? Whether it's it could be anybody. I mean well, we, talk, only we talk two, about there's only Benning two defensemen or, Benning or, or, Russell. or
1: Russell. It's only one of the and right. Benning is a lot cheaper and mm-hmm. his contract is up and he's one point nine million. But Matt Benning is perceived to be a third pairing NHL defenseman, and I think he's a good third pairing defenseman. I think he gets a bad rap here. Every young defenseman's better than Matt Benning. Well, Matt Benning's already played several years in the league and it, you know, can be a second power play guy. Uh, and he's a right shot. I think he gets a bad rap, and he, he's priced just fine—one point mm-hmm. nine million. Yeah. So which would make him a but you're only get, then on you're the but, but then market. you're getting for one point nine million, you're getting a third line player, not a second line player.
0: Unless you think defensemen are more valuable than maybe forwards. maybe, and
1: then you'd have to hope that a team sees Matt Benning is is a, a solid second pairing guy. Hmm.
0: And depending on the other team's cap situation, like there's some teams that are, you know, in more of a jam than others because they have to sign players that, you know, that's going to spring loose. They're going to have to make a decision on trading somebody or getting rid of somebody. The problem with the Oilers
1: the last couple of years is you're taking from Peter to pay Paul. If they trade Benning or Russell for a forward, then they don't have enough vet experienced NHL defensemen to go with Nurse Larson and Clefbaum. It's nice to say you've got Caleb Jones is gonna make the team and this Jill person from, from Sweden's gonna make the team uh, and you know, maybe another player from the, from the Bakersfield's gonna make the team. So what, suddenly you have three of your top seven defensemen are gonna be guys who haven't played in the NHL much, I, I think that's a stretch. Uh, you could pick somebody up off the waiver wire, I guess, and you know, end of September before the regular seasons. They already have Brandon Manning, but yeah. he's but not. They don't, but they don't want him. They don't want him. They don't want to pay that salary in the NHL. Mm-hmm. They don't want to pay two and a half million or two point two five million rather for a defenseman who could, you know, be your sixth or seventh. They don't want to pay that. So um, it's and you know they need they don't just need uh, a second line winger. For Nugent Hopkins, they need a third-line center. Uh, so they need two two pieces, to be honest. Uh, and then, like I said, they're counting on lots of, counting on a Swiss player named Haas to be a third-line center who's never played a minute in the league just because he shoots right, and he was a pretty good player in Switzerland. That's a, another stretch. You can't count on guys who've who've been in Europe to come in and play on your team and be really good right away. They're just not, unless you're talking Gusev in in Las Vegas, who's the best player in the KHL and a Russian. He's going to probably step in like Panarin did and be really good. But for the most part, Europeans come on over to
0: North America. Takes them a while. And I bring this up, probably more often than I should. But are there any sacred cows on defense? I mean, what about Clevbon Larson and Nurse? I mean, why why wouldn't you entertain if you can get the right return? But I don't know what the trade market's like. Those are probably harder deals to make because of how important they are in the defensive structure of the team. Well,
1: with Clefbaum and Larson, you, those are well-priced yeah. players. Well, yeah. Do you really Which, want to trade a player who can play in your top four, only making $4 million?
0: So you can have an effective second scoring line with Ninja Hopkins? Yeah.
1: Maybe. Maybe. But that player then better be making four.
0: Heaven forbid a right can't winger be tra- player. You David. can't be
1: trading a, a – a, solid, well-priced defenseman at $4.1 million for a forward at $6 million, I don't think. Wow, well, why not? No, I don't think so. I, I, I guess you could, but then you better have a defenseman ready to take. You're talking the top three defensemen on the team. You better have a defenseman who can take their spot. It's one thing to trade Russell or Benning who are not perceived to be top three you better have a defenseman ready to replace one of those guys, their minutes. Yeah. Twenty minutes a game.
0: It's I just go back to the nibbling around the edges thing. I mean, if you really want to make a significant change to your team, you gotta give you gotta give to get something. I know. You, can't, you can't get something for nothing. No. And I you know, I don't know how Ken Holland I know how Ken
1: Holland views his team. He looks at all the names on his on his wall of everybody in the organization and looks at McDavid and looks at Dry and looks at Nugent Hopkins. Then there's a pause for thirty seconds, and he says, "And there's McDavid, and there's new Hopkins, and there's Drysdale, and then there's a whole lot of question marks, and ifs, and if fans, and buts after that. So he's not done. So how it. do
0: you add that fourth that fourth name I without developing it and waiting for a couple more years? Good
1: question. I you yeah. know, you know, I would have thought that you know the number one target would still be. Nick Ehlers in in Winnipeg if they're going to sign Connor and Lina. but they may have to wait all summer to sign Linea and Connor. And that's probably we until we're talking Marner about. gets until Marner gets signed. Um, Linea, you know, they might just wait all, you know, all summer and say, "Hey, this is what they're this is what they're getting." And
0: uh, wow, it's kind of like the NBA waiting for Kawhi Leonard to. Uh, Orchestrate trades in the background yeah. in order to determine where he's gonna well, go. Well it's the
1: agents. The agents look sure. they don't want to jump in first. Remember last year they had the thing with Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg and Darnell Nurse and Edmonton, both perceived to be top four defensemen. And they tried to outweigh one another to see who would sign the contracts and then they both, you know, got about the same money, they had bridge contracts for, you know, in the threes, not the sixes. So you know, it, that's the way it works. You know, they don't, nobody wants to jump in. Well, except, except, <laughs> except the one contract proven. which is screwed up. I'm sure a lot of these players that are waiting to be signed is is San Jose getting Timo Meyer for, you know, effectively six million a year. Four, four, six and ten. Now, the last year at ten, he has to be qualified at ten million to keep his rights. So, in effect, you know, they're willing to to pay them that kind of money um, down the road, but not now. So, But like I said, these are all questions for the Oilers with $3.9 million in cap space. And somehow, a team like Colorado, which is wheeling and dealing and plays in the Western Conference and is a really good team, has $20 million in cap space. Um, and a team like San Jose even though they went out and got Eric Carlson and they have three defensemen making, you know, I think it's 11 and seven is 18. And they have like 25 million and three defensemen. They're still able to get Meyer signed. Uh, and they're still able to get Kevin LeBanc who got 56 points last year, signed at one year at $1 million. So some teams are and Toronto's the same way. They got all their players they wanted to keep signed, traded away Kadri. Added Tyson Berry. Added Tyson Berry for one year because they're Mm, right. They're in it for now, and they managed to do it. And they haven't signed Marner yet. So some teams are doing it. The orders, but with a 3.9 million dollars in cap space, that's not much wiggle room if you want to keep a million, million and a half, you know, available in case you trade for a player during the season or or pick up somebody off waivers.
0: I mean, who would be the trading partners for the Oilers, if they did deal, as you know, a Russell or a Benning? We talked about Winnipeg a lot because of the their situation there, and they needed to sign Patrick Line and Kyle Connor. I think Winnipeg
1: is a, is would certainly be in my top three. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: would a team like the Rangers be? Nah, the role? Rangers
1: are trying to get. They just got Truba and they got Adam Fox from Calgary in a trade. They
0: have to sign. They have to sign Truba to a deal, right?
1: Sign Truba to a new deal, and they want to dump Shattenkirk, you know, somehow. So they've got enough defensemen. They're trying to dump a player rather than add a defenseman. Uh, it's, I think it's always easier to the marketability for a defenseman is always higher within your own conference. They see them play. They know what you got. Uh, the Eastern teams. You know, you're dealing with a little bit more unknown in terms of what the orders would get back to. They're used to seeing these players in the Western Conference.
0: Well, there's the Kings and the and the Golden Knights. I mean, they've they've been the Golden Knights were. I mean, I think players. the
1: Kings would be a, another possibility. They don't have Anaheim a great. too, and Anaheim, they don't have a great defense. The Kings and Todd McClung loves Chris Russell from his days here, so that's a possibility. This the second year on Chris Russell's co- contract, which probably scares a lot of teams for the cap it anyway 4 million the salary is not as 4 million but the cap it is 4 million so and LA has this history of of picking up older players and they're trying to get younger do you want to trade for another 30 plus player in Chris Russell now if Todd McClellan has anything to say about it he's probably looking at it says if at worst Chris Russell's in my third pairing and uh, but you know, are they going to trade Tyler Toffoli for Chris Russell? Well, yeah, that's the question. What do they have? What do they have to trade? What are they
0: willing, what would they be willing to trade if they did want a Chris Russell? Yeah. Never mind a Matt Benning. Yeah. So uh, defensemen are easier to
1: trade than forwards because teams always need defensemen, but there has to be some forward coming back who's, you know, is is not just a forward in name only has to be a forward that you can pencil in and say, yeah, for sure he's, but if it's Chris Russell, you're getting a top six f- winger. I don't know. Mm,
0: I don't know for four million bucks. Yeah. Or if, considering his cap hit,
1: there's lots of names out there. But you know, Robbie Fabry in in St. Louis. They they have lots of forwards. They have to sign Barbashev and SunQuest, two big parts of their fourth line in the Stanley Cup winning team. Fabry has been hurt a lot. Has tons of ability. Uh, they just signed Sanford for a million and a half. Fabry would be a possibility, but he's hurt all the time. So then you're gambling on trading for a guy who, you know, might play 25 games and get hurt his knee again.
0: You know, moving on to the free agent fronts, and, you know, there's, you've already mentioned Ryan Zingle, and uh, he's probably, what, the top name on the list. I mean, traded to Columbus from Ottawa last year and didn't. He would be the one who would fit in the, best for one year
1: I I think he could test drive him for one year and I don't think he has much marketability I think he turned down a big contract in Ottawa they ended up trading him to Columbus he didn't play well in Columbus they made no effort whatsoever to sign him in the summer in fact they went out and signed Nyquist instead they had Zingle there if he'd played well enough they'd have considering they lost all those players you know Panarin and Duchesne at forward, you'd think they'd say, hey, we gotta sign this guy, but they didn't make any effort to, to sign him. So I think if you're the Oilers and every other team, you're test driving Zingle for one year and saying, you know, we'll sign you for two and a half or whatever and prove to us you're worth five. Is Pat Maroon a viable second line? No, option? he's not. Because they have Lucic. If they didn't have Lucic, yes. But I don't think you can have two of those players. In, on the same team. So I would say no. Uh, I feel badly for Pat Maroon. I think he's a good player. He's trying to get a two-year contract, not a one-year. He said a one-year contract in St. Louis uh, for less money than uh, he probably wanted, but it was St. Louis, so he'd go home and see his boy. Um, I think Pat Maroon, his best chance would probably be to sign back in New Jersey. They wanted him. They traded for him. And he, he opted to go back to St. Louis, so I, I there's not a lot of oper- not a lot of players out there, and it's going to be a one year contract for any of those guys. If uh, Ken Holland's pretty patient, we'll see if he outweights some of these agents and some of the players and gets a guy for one year.
0: You know, former Flame Michael Furlan played last year in Carolina. Um, he's a free agent. He's
1: kind of in between a Maroon and a Lucic. He's I think he's a good player. I don't know why he just didn't stay in Carolina where he had a good thing there. Uh, his star, his stats are good, but his star dimmed in the second half last year. He got hurt. And I covered that series with Carolina uh, and the Islanders. And they were waiting for him to come back and play. And a couple of times you'd ask Rod Bindemer, so when's Ferlin coming back? And he says, well, when he tells us he's coming back, in other words, Like, there's some situation here. We don't know exactly what's wrong with him, but he's going to tell us when he can play. And he did come back, I think, late in the third round series. Uh, he's a good player. And he's another player. You test drive him. If you want him, we want him at two and a half. Fine. Uh, and you can see how he is. I, I think considering the owners should know him pretty well, Holland wouldn't know him as well as the older guys who've seen him play for calgary it's you know i guess he, between he and zingle i think they need more speed i think it's a speed game now and zingle's faster mm. i would take zingle more than ferland myself but i mean i don't know you so know and again it's, it's not good, you're walking down the aisles in a in a supermarket and Grabbing, a, yeah, grabbing box of cereal. A box of cereal, pr- yeah. or you're looking to <laughs> to find the one you really want. Yeah,
0: because there are other teams out there that need the same things. Yeah, and uh, you know we're talking about two two and a half million dollars. Uh, you know, obviously the orders are one of those teams that are very close to the cap. But yeah. you you, if identified. you sign a
1: player for two and a half, then you've got one point four million
0: left. That then
1: you don't have enough money to go and get a third line center.
0: Yeah, never mind whatever happens on those PTOS. What if somebody does shine? I mean, obviously, these are all parts of the puzzle that a GM has to put together, and you know, it's why they're getting paid the money. They have to make it work somehow.
1: The only dollars in dollars out trade out there, I think, is Pulevsky for some other young player. If Pulevsky, you're losing a player who is an NHL player, so you better trade for some player who can play on your team. Now, is that? You know, if you trade a young player who's a first-round pick for some other team's first-round pick who is perceived to be not as good as you thought it would be, uh, I think that's still worth a chance for the others. You can say, at least we can slot this guy in. We know what he is. He's a third-line player. And we're, yeah, one third-line player is better than a player p- p- playing in Finland. So it doesn't look like he's already but he's back in Finland working out with Sebastian Aho and, and some other Finnish players. Right now, waiting to find out what's going on. So he's a lot closer to playing for Jokered in Helsinki, working out in Finland, than he is working out
0: here. You know, I can't help but think that if the orders would did go out and trade Russell Benning, somebody off their defense for this forward they need, all depending on what's coming back and what this, you know, what the cap situation is after that happens. And there are some defensemen out there who are veterans, who you could probably get relatively cheaply, all depending on the timing. Um, because that's what the orders did in the first place with Chris Russell. They him got him though, rate, right although for before, four million bucks a year. Yeah, they got him before before
1: the season started one yeah, year on, on a, on a yeah. one year contract. Yeah. yeah, they're they're there, but. It's a wait. It's a game for these GMs, and they they're trying to outwait these players to where they'll take whatever you want to give them rather than a tryout. And I think that's why guys get signed in late August rather than right now. You, you just and I don't have. I would have no trouble if I was the Oilers, considering the strength in the organization is their def, young defensemen to try their young defensemen in exhibition games and see if they look like their actual. NHL players. I mean, Benning came to camp three years ago and you're thinking, oh, okay, so they signed this guy from you know, Northeastern University in in Boston and he's from Edmonton. Does that mean he's going to play right away in the NHL? And they thought so, thought he could play and he, it turned out he could play. And, you know, he made it and David Musil then became kind of the odd man out and and he never did play much for the orders. I think he played four games for him, but didn't play after that. So uh, it's a gamble. But is Ethan Barron an NHL player? Is William Laguson an NHL player? Is Caleb Jones probably because he played 17 games last year? Is this person an NHL player? Yeah, I guess so, because you signed him to a one-year contract. But you better, let's try him in training camp and see. I think there's a better chance they get a defenseman on waivers off another team than uh, than signing somebody. Or bring their own tryout guys to camp if you want.
0: You know, the orders aren't going to be presenting any RFAs with an offer sheet. But, you know, it is a rare thing for it to happen. The Montreal Canadiens uh, did present one uh, to Sebastian Aho of the Hurricanes. Of course, you know, Carolina did match it. it didn't make they, it punitive enough. Yeah. They
1: didn't want to give up four draft picks. They only wanted to give up three, but because they only wanted to give up three, then they didn't make it punitive enough in terms of dollars for, I guess they were counting on this big signing bonus that he was going to get that the owner wouldn't pay it. But this owner's got tons of money, Tom Dundon. So he just kind of laughed it off and said, thank you very much. I think you have to make, the team that's making an offer sheet, it has to hurt them as much as it hurts the other team. They're looking at the, at the pain you know, differently than the team that's losing a the player. They're thinking, okay, we'll live, up, we'll live with these draft picks down the road. We need the player right now. And the other team has got to bet on saying, okay, well, these draft picks we are getting, we'll, we'll find a player to, for a place, Sebastian Ajo, right now and use these draft picks down the road.
0: I was a little surprised that it seems like Marc Bergevin, the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, got snickered. it's That's what it seems like because the term seemed—I mean, the salary seemed fine, the term fine—but even the threat of having to pay all that money up front, it's like you said, Tom Dundon is a is a billionaire. It's not going to. But dissuade if they really him.
1: wanted him, offer Sebastian O ten million dollars a year, yeah, and not eight and a half, where where the team that was. Had them. Carolina was looking more around six million, so eight and a half. It's too much, but they could probably live with it. Ten, different heck of a lot of difference between six million and ten million. So they didn't make it difficult enough. They went through the whole process thinking that, I guess, Carolina was going to blink and say, "Yeah, give us the the draft picks and we'll lose this guy." Well, he's their best player. They're not losing him, and they didn't make it. They. They're they were so worried about losing all these draft picks they made the dollar figure too low
0: and they should have gambled said hey nope ten million you know and I bring up the offer sheet thing because the last time a, a team successfully pulled it off was the orders in two thousand seven with Dustin Penner I mean they had tried for Thomas Vanek Buffalo matched and now and but then they went and uh, targeted Penner and. uh you know, the conventional wisdom probably is still the same today as it was back 12 years ago. You know, GMs don't want to be going around poaching guys just because of you know was it sportsmanship? Well, or they're,
1: no, they're worried about they're worried about somebody <laughs> doing it to them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But then teams always match it. You, you know, if you really like your player, you're matching it. Yeah. They're trying to screw everybody. You're trying to you know, it's like with Marner. Rest assured, if somebody makes an offer sheet on Meyer, Toronto will figure out some way to match it, and then dump some other players. Suddenly, William Nylander is available. They'll just match it. So, I mean, the whole—it's a lot of work for these offer sheets for not much gain, as far as I can see. Unless you go to a team that's right up, like Vegas. Vegas is over the salary cap; they can't afford players. So now they're, they're trading players for draft picks. They're giving away players. Eric Hall, Colin Miller, just giving them away. Now this it's Gusev who star in KHL, they'll trade him for draft picks. They can't afford to take back another player. So, but not many teams like that. Just giving players away. <laughs>
0: That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. Subscribe to Oil Spills on iTunes and Google Play. You can also listen to it via the Edmonton Journal and Edmonton Sun apps and websites.